You're on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. Kyle, it's getting down to the nitty gritty. Less than a month until this 2020 NFL draft. And so it's time for us to get down to the nitty gritty and talk about these players and these position groups. Today, starting with the quarterbacks. Welcome, sir. Yeah, it's what, five weeks from today's round one? Something like that. As currently scheduled, one, two, three, four weeks for a holy cow. It's four weeks from today. Yeah, and the GMs don't want it to be four weeks from today. but No, they don't. But I have a really hard time seeing the league getting off this because this is, you know, if they find a way to make it virtual, they're going to own the sports world space again. And if you push the draft back, you are now getting into pushing back the dominoes for the start of the regular season. And this coronavirus thing may still be impactful come August, but we don't know. And therefore, the league wants to do everything that they can to operate under the assumption that the league season will start on schedule as regularly planned, which means not pushing back the draft. So Shefty... Proposed yesterday, not necessarily pushing back the draft, but making it seven days, one day for each round. What's the value there? Uh, it's a, it's a longer distraction. I think people are really, and you, you get this all the time. I'm sure you're getting DMs and emails and stuff about just people being thankful that we're producing content and it's taking people's minds off of, you know, the pandemic. And and I, for me, I like that because I I I've I've been candid on other conversations I've had like on lockdown bills when people have asked me questions. But one thing that I do struggle with with this line of work, as much as I love it, it feels extremely self-serving. I don't feel like I do anything that's meaningful to help other people. But to know that like in this moment, we can take people's minds off of, uh, you know, some of these struggles of daily life that everyone's going through, literally everyone across the globe. And we can write about a guard from Michigan and, and it's a distraction. And I love that. Hey, Ben Bredesen's a good football player. He damn right. He is a good football player. <laughs> Shout out to the Patriots fans, man. They, uh, they lit up my DMS and my mentions. Yeah, yesterday. they did. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. They did. Uh, so thank you, uh, new England Patriots fans. And it's funny cause they were like really honest about it. They're like, yeah, we're going to need you guys more than ever. Like they get it. And I, I, I appreciate that mentality where there's not a lot of sour grapes from these guys. They understand that they just had, they were spoiled, completely spoiled by the last 20 years. And, and, and now they're ready to learn what, uh, a rebuild is. And so thanks for, thanks for joining us. Patriots fans. Now they get to find out what it's like to be everybody else. <laughs> Except for the Packers fans. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Let's just wait. Oh, we, we, we couldn't find one fan base to keep pissed off. Let's just keep pivoting. We'll go to the Packers. Yeah. Now. yeah they're next. I mean, we'll put them on the spot. Hey, listen, uh, Patriots fans, especially, uh, quarterbacks today. Yeah. So it should be a compelling conversation. Although, uh, I know some of our friends, including Jim Nagy, are, are really hyping up the Jared Stidham uh, potential 
answer to the Patriots quarterback solution and wouldn't be surprised to see them take a swing with Stidham, but I mm-hmm. still think Patriots fans and, and the Patriots organization should be very plugged into these quarterbacks. And, and there's some interesting prospects throughout this year's group. Yep. Haven't drafted one since 1993 in the first round. In the, in the Imagine. Yeah. Can't relate. Imagine. Can't relate to that at all. Okay. So um, here we are quarterbacks, 2020, a guy we thought was a third round pick <laughs> going into the season is kind of the consensus number one overall pick in Joe Burrow. And my goodness, we've talked about him at length, whether it was our trip down to Tuscaloosa for Bama LSU, or just kind of every time we get a chance to tell you that he's the player that Bengals should pick at number one, he's your number one player on your board overall, Kyle. I mean, this is a pretty cut and dry conversation at the top. Positional value is the difference maker. Just well, wanted to clar- I just wanted to clarify that Joe Burrow is – player one and it's because i do wait for positional value so you're saying chase young is a better edge rusher than burrow is quarterback but because he plays quarterback and that's more valuable than edge rusher he's player one correct so if i were to stack a horizontal board they'd be right next to each other and then you'd have to have the conversation what does our team need so from a pure draft process for a team it would probably look different than me trying to stack a horizontal board as a guy in the draft space, not working for a team than to say, okay, well I have to have a player one. Who's it going to be? I think the the conversation is chase young's overall resume is more complete. I, I think Joe's physical limitations will be something that makes him probably a little bit more controversial for some of the teams than us on the outside as projecting his football intelligence and poise and, and the polish that he provides and the, the pre-snap processing. And that's what makes Joe Burrow such an interesting player for me is, is you look at Joe and Joe's not super sharp in the, you know, remember how Baker Mayfield always used to snap his feet into throwing position. Like he'd get off his platform, but anytime he threw like, he'd snap those feet into a balanced posture. You remember that? Yeah, loved it about Baker. You remember Kyler Murray yep. getting off his spot and throwing and generating generating a lot of force on the football while throwing on the move? Absolutely. Yeah. Joe doesn't do any of that. No. <laughs> it's just like he doesn't have the super quickest of feet. He doesn't have the naturally this natural strong arm that's a rocket arm. He's a precision passer, but everything that makes Joe so great is the stuff between the years. And then the teams are going to ask themselves how much of that was the Joe Brady system, how much of that was Joe, because we saw what Burrow looked like in 2018 when Joe Burrow wasn't there. So I don't think he's this like slam dunk universal. Every team's going to love him because there's a lot of old school guys that are going to fall in love with the the Herbert prototype from an arm strength perspective. And there's probably even some teams that are going to say, Hey, listen, if Tua didn't have the medicals, we'd probably favor Tua because we think he's got better physical tools than Joe Burrow does. But when I look at Joe Burrow, all the stuff that he does is the stuff that makes for a great NFL quarterback in that precision, accuracy, decision-making consistency before the snap communication and the poise. You know, that he's never rattled when he's under fire. And those are the things 
that as we do this more and more, Joe, those are the things that I find myself gravitating towards more and more. And he checks all those boxes completely. I'd like to speak to some of the the concerns that I think are, are brought up with Burrow and, and how I'd like to respond to them. First of all, uh, the one-year wonder label. I think that's really short-sighted because he's not a one-year wonder. This is a guy with 945 career passing attempts, which are 300 more than Tua Tungavailoa. You don't hear people talking about Tua as a one-year wonder. Burrow did start the entire 2018 season for LSU. And while it wasn't a great showcase of Burrow in terms of comparing it to the next season, it still was starting experience. And he was kicking off the rust basically from sitting for three seasons, not really playing any meaningful snaps in a game. And I like that in 2019, Joe Brady comes in. It's the ideal scenario for him to showcase what makes him a great quarterback, which is, like you said, the mental side of things. And he's in this perfect environment. And it's not like it was an air raid system. This isn't uh, Luke Falk running Mike Leach's offense. This is a spread system that is based on concepts and football intelligence and side adjustments and reading coverage and understanding where your receivers are going to go based on that coverage and throwing the football with wonderful anticipation. This wasn't a, a showcase of football intelligence more than it was a guy taking advantage of a scheme. Now, I will say this. It's, to me, we can talk about the arm strength. It's certainly passable. It's just not elite arm strength. And when you combine his enough arm strength with a really sharp mind and a quick trigger and, a, and, and good instincts in the passing game, it really mitigates any concerns that I have with the arm. And so I love Burrow, man. He's one of those guys that I'm jealous that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to get him. And he's player, he's QB1 for both of us. Yeah. Correct? I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions because I haven't seen what your, what your boards look like. Yeah, he's, he's, yes, he's QB1. Okay. So QB two, Tua Tanga Vile Tonga Vailoa Tonga Vailoa Tongo Vailoa Vailoa Tua Tua. I keep getting yelled at. Locked on Dolphins fans. This is their big kick now. Oh no! I said I'm from. I said I'm from the Mid Atlantic. We say certain things certain ways. Just let me live my life. <laughs> we get more crap for pronunciation than we do our football takes. Tua Tongo Vailoa. Because I say Vile Oa, and they're like, nah, it's Val Loa. So Tua Tungo Val Loa. There you go. Well, it's a good thing you'll have to just say Justin Herbert. You know, you'll be fine. Oh, geez. Okay, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is the divide between Joe Burrow and Tua greater than the divide between Tua and your QB3? That's a fun question. I would say that the divide between t- QB2 and 3 is bigger. Okay, sure. so there's there's a significant drop off in your opinion after Tua as QB two. Yep, I agree with that, and I, I mean this goes back to where I was at in the summer with with Tua, and and I raved about you know his ability to be calm under pressure and find outlets and his accuracy, decision making, working the ball down the field, and you know this new offense that he ran this year was more timing based, get the ball out quicker, and I like that I've been able to see now the vertical passing game, the decision-making, the accuracy down the field in 2018. And then this past year, I saw the trigger, the quick decision-making, the, the distribution of the football, and of course, the, still the same ability to handle duress and, and, and find outlets and be, be comfortable when there's chaos around him. And so, you know, I think Tua just, to me, checks all the boxes. I mean, you wish he was a little taller. Maybe you wish he was right-handed. Maybe you wish he had a little bit more pop in his arm. He didn't have the injury stuff, but like, those are pretty minor gripes when I think about what he does well. And man, I, I, I think he's a really special quarterback prospect that deserves to go really high in the draft. 
Let me ask you this. If you had to pick a gripe with one thing about Tua's style of play, what would it be? A gripe with his style of play. Yeah, because I have a. I think there's a very clear answer here, in my opinion. Let me see. Don't pull up my notes, you cheater. Pull no, up your up notes. My own. I think I'd look okay, at your notes. So I wouldn't. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. This is something that when I read my con section here that, that I do remember, there are times when he's running, throwing those deep outs where it just feels like he doesn't stay on top of the ball and it'll float on him a little bit. Yep. Is that really the same thing you saw? You were going to no, say that? It's, it, oh. No, it's not. I oh, want to. I think there's times where he tries to make too much happen, and I want to see him be quicker to accept like the cheap five yard checkdowns. Because you think about his style of play, and and there's this fabulous play from his freshman season against Vanderbilt, and then he had one in 2018 in the season opener against Louisville where he kind of gets into this mad scramble inside the pocket. And they're like, there's guys open underneath in these scenarios. And with him having the durability concerns that he has, it's for me, that's the habit he has to break to protect himself as a player, to work through your progressions. And if it's not there, Go right to the check down. Don't keep holding the ball within the pocket. I thought it was really interesting that uh, Benjamin Solak's quarter, contextualized quarterbacking, he charted Tua, and he said Tua was phenomenal through his first read. But the longer he held the ball, the significantly worse the results got, which makes sense. Like That's an intuitive thing that you would expect from a lot of quarterbacks. But when you take into consideration, in my opinion, the – the durability concerns that do exist as far as on the rare chances where he does try to get outside the pocket. A lot of his maneuverability happens and takes place within the pocket, but just get the ball out of your hands. And I think that's something that needs to change for him to protect himself from taking a lot of big hits. I wonder, I I wish I knew more about what standard deviation was like, okay, Tua's completion percentage goes to this after coming off the first read. Like what's normal. I have well, to ben, talk to Ben about that. Yeah. Ben, Ben, after he does all eight quarterbacks, he's going to put out a comparative, um, comparative document that lists all of the quarterbacks and their data in all of his charting side by side. So you'll get a chance to see on the spectrum. Who's it, who is where compared to, past classes and this current oh, class as well. I probably get a TDN premium membership yesterday if that Wow. The draftnetwork.com slash TDN dash premium. Yep. Check Sign up today. Yeah. You get that information and a whole lot more. So, so but yes, I I've been beating the drum on Tua for the multiple throwing systems component for quite a while. And I think it's a great point that you brought up just now in that We've seen Tua be asked to go vertical. We've seen Tua be asked to run a lot of quick game. Joe, I want to spin you on how the Dolphins are setting up for Tua. Okay. Um, do you want me to just take over here? Because I have thoughts about that. Well, let me lay out okay, what, what they've done and schematically what they're doing and why I think it all adds up for, for Tua and Miami. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins in free agency signed Jordan Howard and Eric Flowers. They hired offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, who runs 
uh, what you have described to me based on your experiences in Buffalo, and we saw the same thing in New York with the Jets with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's kind of this horizontal spread, right? Mm-hmm. The signings of Eric Flowers and Jordan Howard spell out that the Dolphins are probably going to be implementing a lot of gap power downhill between the tackles runs. So if you're going to go with gap power between the tackle running and horizontally spacing the field, what does that sound like from the college level? What offense? Sarkeesian. What Alabama Alabama just did with Tua, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's I think if you start reading in between the lines, you can get some pretty interesting nuggets that it's like, okay, they're trying to set up like Jordan Howard's going to be like the Damian Harris back. Right. And you got these heavy hitters. They're probably going to, you know, if they, they can get a chance to go get Makai Becton or Andrew Thomas, depending on who's available or shit, even Jedrick Wills at right tackle oh, is God. to be to his blind side, but like a power style tackle. And they'll probably go get like a Robert Hunt or a Jonah Jackson to play right guard. And you've got heavy hitters across the board up front. They're going to run downhill at you and they're going to pound the football. And then they're going to run RPO type concepts and play action passing with horizontal spacing. And it's going to be a lot like what you saw at Alabama. I think that's a really good point, Kyle. Um, And, and that is Chan to a T. It is what I would like to see. Uh, to a step into, I, I thought, you know, before they even made these moves back when the, the decision was made to go with, uh, with Chan Gailey, that that was a, a sign for Tua before everything happened. And so I agree that now you have a couple of layers to this and it makes a lot of sense. And, and I start to think about the, the offense that the bills ran with Fitz and, and they ran with Chan Gailey and, and, you know, the offensive linemen were big dudes that created some push, some vertical push. But then also the the weapons were, you know, these possession receivers that can go and kind of work over the middle of the field and, you know, create some leverage in the passing game and really get their bodies in position to catch slant passes. Thinking about David Nelson and Stevie Johnson, who really thrived yeah. with with Chan and Fitz. And now you've got Preston Wilson and Devontae Parker, which are somewhat similar. But um, I think Miami's probably still missing that really good pass catching back. Now, the Bills thought that was C.J. Spiller. Well, CJ Spiller had his own demons, but I still think that piece is, is got to come. But um, yeah, I think this is really an offense that's being built for Tua. Now the challenge is Tua's got to be the pick. Dobbins at 39. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, totally beautiful. And I'm not sure he's the best route runner, but his hands are really, really good. Yeah. And I think he's a good compliment to Jordan Howard. Yeah. Caleb, I mean, is, K- is there anything redeemable about Kalen Balaj? I know he's really big no. and athletic, but I just... No, there's not. <laughs> he's done. Stick a fork in him. <laughs> who, did Sol- who did Solak compare to, like, a good Kalen Balaj? Oh, know. yeah. It was like Kalen Balaj, but good. What? <laughs> it's like, who? brother, those was are... Was it Antonio Gibson? It might have been. Oh, no. <laughs> brother, those are convic- conflicting ideals. Kalen Balaj, good. All right, so a lot of time invested here in the top two quarterbacks. We've probably got two or three more that, you know, maybe have less layers to them. Um, In Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and whoever your QB5 is. I don't even know if Justin Herbert's your QB3. It may be Jordan Love. What do you got for him? Herbert's definitely my QB3. I like Herbert. 
Um, and I like him a lot more than some of the haters on Twitter do. I think he's a really nice physical skill set. I mean, he makes he makes the, some of the most impressive throws of anyone in this class. Uh, you know, just nothing that he can't do on the football field. Um, I guess my my concerns with with Herbert are just like he's not anywhere near Tua or Burrow in terms of being able to handle pressure. Um, I do think that Herbert, for a guy with his type of skill set, with his size and mobility, I wish he was a better thrower on the run. But if I can keep things on schedule for Herbert and really develop that that rhythm component to his game, maybe those instincts will come. But I think that's kind of where it just comes down to is I don't see those high-level instincts in the passing game, whether that is kind of ripping it from the pocket and working through progressions or getting off structure. But, again, he's a pretty limitless player that I think gives you a really good chance at a franchise guy. Yeah, he he will miss his fair share of throws in timing concepts. It's hard to say how much of that is, you know, always running out of gun and the footwork wasn't always didn't always seem to be married to like the depth of the routes. Yeah, it's so point. it seemed like the, the the timing was weird. So it's it's like any NFL coach is going to look at Herbert and they're going to say, well, Oregon didn't do A, B, C, X, Y, and Z for him. <laughs> yep. But I will. Yeah. So like consensus wise, you know, the league's going to be higher than Justin Herbert than the consensus on social media and in the draft community. I mean, I have, I have Justin Herbert as Herbert as my 11th player on the board. I don't know. And even if he was not being given a boost for positional value, he'd still be probably top 15. That's probably higher than consensus. Yeah. I would not be surprised if you took everybody's boards in this space and, and did an aggregate Herbert's probably closer to 20 than he is to 10, if not below 20. 100%. He's the, he's the guy that people think they're going to get a prize for making wide being right about being right on because he's bad. Right. Yeah. It's going to be the, it's going to be an exhausting experience for Herbert where people cannot have good takes about him because all they're doing is watching tape, looking for low lights and trying to exploit them. And it's disappointing because he's a he's a nice player and a nice prospect and, and somebody that I've said it I'll keep saying it he has a better starting point than Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky, or Josh Allen. And not to put him in that tier or or that I don't I don't want to be disrespectful to any one of those quarterbacks, but I think where he is is further along than any of those quarterbacks. And he has better physical tools or equal physical tools in, in my opinion, in jo- like Josh Allen's a better scrambler and a better, more natural runner. Yeah. But as far as like throwing, we know, t- we, throwing tools. Yeah. It's similar, but we didn't know Josh was that good of a runner. Like he became a better runner in the NFL. Right. Because he stopped doing all that BS where he's like playing hero ball back there, trying to be like 2001, Michael Vick on Madden. Yeah. Well, I mean this year, 2018, he still did that. So. Yeah, he did. But he still, tried to do a little bit of against the still, Texans. Still Jeez. trying to figure out the curve. Yeah. Brother, like it was that was gone. It was gone after the Patriots game in week four. And then okay, here's the world. Here's the world in the playoffs, Josh. Do your stupid shit again. Okay. Jordan Love. Jordan loves QB4. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I asked you what the drop-off was from Tua to Justin. Is the drop off from Tua to Justin greater than the drop off from Justin to Jordan Love? Probably not. And Jordan Love's one of those players that, if there was one player in this class that you said you get 
an hour with to talk to, he'd be the one guy I'd pick. Because I, I have questions. I want. I would want to go through tape with him. I'd want to find out, you know, some things about get some his, answers. Yeah, I, I feel like I, and I'm just not going to get that opportunity. And, and so, he's that guy that I, I just, I feel like I watched him very intently for the last two years at Utah State. I saw a lot of the same things just continue to happen with just his field vision awareness, understanding coverage rotation or not understanding coverage rotation, and, and where he went with the football. And so. You know, he's got all the physical gifts you can ask for, but some of that decision-making and, and where he is in terms of processing, not necessarily his trigger, it's just processing. That that gives me some pause with him, but I can see a course for him being a really good starting quarterback in the NFL, but I, I'd, I'd want to vet that out more than I'm able to, you know, in the position I'm in. Jordan Love is a top blank player. In this class? Yeah. 50. 50. And that's me, Joe Marino's valuation of said prospects. Okay. He's going in the top 25. Well, I got him 27th on my board. Yeah, that's fine. You've been a, you've been a little softer on these quarterbacks this year. No, that's not true. Compared to recent years, brother. Yes. A little softer. In terms of you open-minded, soft may not be the right word. You've been more open-minded to projecting growth than you ever have. Well, yeah, pathways to success. You need to be. And that's because Jordan, Jordan Love has all the things you can't possibly teach somebody to be able to do. It's like Joe Burrow is the most polished mentally. Justin Herbert has the best arm. And Jordan Love has like the best mixture of physical, physical skills, extending with his legs, being able to get off script and win outside of structure, like he's the best blend of it, but his lows are just the lowest of the lows. I think there is a big four group of quarterbacks. Jordan Love has the highest variance, but he also has some of the best flashes. That's fair. So it gets to be a a very compelling and interesting kind of debate as far as where do you value that, and, and how do you put a number on that versus some of the other guys in the class, and if he goes to the right place, I would not be surprised to see him become a top-end starting quarterback in the NFL. The question is, where's the right place for a guy like that? Kansas does any, City. Does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too bad they've already got a guy. Maybe so, like, does 49ers? Any, does, does anywhere else stand out, San Francisco? Oh, yeah. You, I'd love him in that system. You know where I'd love to see him go? What you got? I'd love to see him in New Orleans. Why? Why? Just as a facilitator, dump the ball? I mean... Well, facilitator, I think you've got a skill group around you that can help help you make better decisions because guys are going to... There's like guys that create clear separation with consistency. I think there's an offensive line there that's going to... That would allow you to transition into... You know, not asking him to do too much. I think Sean Payton would need the discipline to not call a game like he has a Drew Brees, right? Don't call 35, 38, 40 pass attempts in a game. Yeah. Run the ball a little bit more, but the personnel would allow them to do it. And Sean Payton's one of those guys that I would trust with a guy like Jordan Love to cater to him and develop him. If they're getting productive reps out of Taysom Hill, imagine what they could do with a guy like Jordan Love. <laughs> That's fair. 
That's fair. I just, when you say Saints, it's, I have a hard time, like, with, okay, we just think he's going to come in and do the shit Drew Brees has done. Because, like, that's not, that's not fair. Right. Well, don't ask him to be Drew Brees. Right. So I think when you, when you create that dynamic to the discussion, I, okay, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I can see that. But I don't think New Orleans is going to be in play. And I doubt San Francisco would pick him either. Right. Exactly. And I'm all for the Saints and not to go down this rabbit hole, but I am for the Saints dealing with quarterback when they have to deal with quarterback and doing everything they can to get players to help them in this window, what's left in Drew Brees. For sure. So like you guys can just worry about that and suck if you have to, you know, like you've had Drew Brees for the last however many years. What about New England? McDaniels. Well, that's, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I mean, he, he's not running the, the Brady system, Earhart Perkins, but if you go back to what he did with Tebow, McDaniels did with Tebow in, in Denver and build off of that, not necessarily saying that he's anywhere near the limited player that Tebow is, but if you're willing to incorporate that type of a stylistic change while incorporating some spread stuff, which I think would benefit Jordan Love, absolutely. The, the question for me, and this is this is – no, I'm not giving. I'm not spoiling anything for my mock, but I have a big time scenario okay, with good. that. Don't, don't do that. That is this mock's going to be fun. I I lost a little sleep over thinking about it last night. Oh, jeez. You know, you know, you got to. You know, the build up to writing the mock draft this late in the process. This is the pressure that comes with when you win the Huddle Report mock draft championship. I know, I know. You know, I want it so you got bad. An expectation. Two time champ, man. I. That, you know how hard? Do you know how much sleep I lose? I do. Over not being one, and you are. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you're the last couple of years, man. I don't, I can't even trust you as a source now. You know, I feel like you're feeding me bad shit. Well, I do. I, I fuck with you. I, and I learned French. that last year. I learned that. I'm like, <laughs> what? You, last year you were trying to tell me the bills were taking Hawkinson, like you had some like deep source, and I'm like, yeah, get out of yeah. here. Was that? Yeah. Were you pulling some shit on me? Uh, yes, I was. I will See, come I, clean. I was lying to you. And, but I would never I, lie to I would never lie to the listeners. But behind closed doors, I would plant bugs in your ears to try and throw off your mock for the mock championship. What an ass you are! Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? Jesus, dude! What'd you fit? What'd you finish with last year? I don't know. I'm in the top ten all uh, in five year average, but well, I need no, to have a good all year. All time now. Come no, on now. No, but here's the thing: is I have a good number coming off this year. So when the five the new five year sample size is tough. Yeah, man, you're you've got your 2015 mock. You had a 47. Yeah, that's off coming off. That's so your your last. My last two weren't nearly as good as my previous three. Well, you, you're. I don't know about that. You went 47 in 2015, 36 in 2016, 46 in 2017, and then Jim. you went 36 and 38. I need that 36 to come off the board. So in two years, I'm going to be okay. But if I have a good year this year, if I can get like a 50 on, on the board with, we say with, this, we say this like 40, like 36 is a bad number. You know what? 36 would have been in the top half of scores yeah, last year. Yeah. It would There's be. people that are dropping in thirties and 26s and uh, let's not turn our nose up at a 36 here, man. It's a pretty good score. Do you feel like though, like this year we have the least amount of information as we've oh ever had? Oh my God, man. It's going to be a wild, wild yeah. west. <laughs> it is going to be total shot in the dark. Might be hoping for the thirties, man. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested. Uh, I remember the year we won or you won for NDT. You had a 46. Yeah. Brian Perez, friend of the pod, one in 2014 with a 43. It's going to be like that. 
Like it's going to be like that this year. Yeah, if you get if you get mid forties, you got a great chance to win it this year. What did Ben get last year? I think Ben Standing won. What did he have? 49, 50? 49, 11 pairings and twenty seven players in the first round correctly. Usually the ceiling for pairings around eleven, but then you have to supplement that with first round hits. Twenty seven is a good number. Yes. All well, right. I'm doing some quick math here. Are you in the? Are you going to have five mocks in this year? You can get no. In this will be this will be my fourth one. The hell were you doing? The first year I submitted one and they they, they didn't take it. Are you happy they didn't take it? Have you went back and looked? Uh, no. To be honest with you, I don't remember what it what it oh, read okay. like. So it's better uh, that you Joe, don't know. Your la- your three year average is forty. Yeah. My what's my five year average? Forty point six. Oh, okay. Then I'm not as bad off as I thought. In ter- I mean, I'm top 10, but. I've got more 40s in the last three years than you do, though. You're coming. You got to get that. I, I, no, I got a 31 on my resume in 2018. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That, you're going to be ready for that to come off. I got to wait a while. So my, my three-year average is 37, which would put me 28th. Be ahead of Bob McGinn, though. Yeah. No small feat. No, no. All right, so we've got through the top four here, Kyle. Um, yeah, who's QB five? Let's let's speed this up a little bit. Hurts. It's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is QB five. I got a third round grade on. Same. You're gonna have to live and die with some of the bad passing, the 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 lack of anticipation. Uh, I think he's more of a general accuracy passer than he is a pinpoint accuracy passer. But if you run, I don't know. Would you would you rather see him go West Coast offense to try and prompt him to be more on time? No, no that's that's you want him down the field. Yeah, that's why I think it makes sense that the Raiders are interested in him. That's what the the Rick Dennison tried to do that with Tyrod Taylor his last year in Buffalo, make him a West Coast passer, and it was a disaster. He just ended up checking everything down. Oh, so stupid. Yeah. So, and my comp for Jalen Hurts is Tyrod Taylor. I like that. I stole that one, to be honest. It's you. It's good. It's one of my best comps I've had this year because of their similar strengths and weaknesses, and where like you kind of just need that vertical element for them to be their most effective version of themselves. And so, if you can get Tyrod Taylor, I mean, that's a guy that flirts around with being a starter, is taking a team to the playoffs. I mean, you're Tyrod Taylor is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. Yeah. In terms of NFL, you know, I mean, let's not get crazy there, but. So I, I have him 66th on my board. Yeah, that's, I think it's pretty fair, to be honest with you. Who's QB six? <laughs> oh, man, this is when we start to talk about Eason and Fromm, and let me just tell you. He's George Kitts. <laughs> he's not a big fan. Uh, right now, I actually have uh, Fromm. I also have from QB six and he's fairly close to Hertz in that. I think he's going to be a rock solid backup. Yeah. I don't think he has the physical tools to be a starter. We do. We, it seems that, that we do this every year with one of these guys, right? It's like, Oh, well he's super smart. No, he's productive and he plays at a winner, but it's like Jake Fromm just does, in my opinion, does not have baseline threshold arm strength Mm-mm. or athleticism, but, but to he be can a have, can he not have a career like a uh, uh, Chase Daniel or a Colt McCoy or like his ceiling of a case? He certainly can. He certainly can. Make a lot of money for yourself, brother. 
there's no reason to think that he will not be in the league for quite a while. Yeah, just he's never going to be a guy you want to be your guy. Right. And then I have Eason. And then I have Eason as well. Eason's a four for me. Yeah. He's actually, he actually is very, very close to being passed by Anthony Gordon. Really? Gordon's got a great arm. He's just has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, none. And it's like, I, I, um, my first real exposure to him was at the combine. And I'm like, who is this guy snapping off these balls, man? This looks good. Right. Yeah. And then I watched his tape and I, you know, of course I gave him his due, due justice on tape to really get a feel for his skill set. And I'm like, yeah, I, I gotta see the whole scope here. Cause he's, I mean, super raw. He's super raw. I mean, he's super worthy raw. developmental guy, but man, like he's tiny too. He's like six, two, like two Oh five. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and, and the fact coming out of Washington state, there's zero semblance of timing. It's like, he looks like he's Tom Brady thinks he's Tom Brady back there with like the flat footed in the pocket, just looking and then he'll drop like a sidearm throw in there and like it right. works because his arm's good enough. Yep. Those arm but, angles are fun with him. Yep. But you, you've just, he's going to be a guy that, that takes some time, but I think he's comfortable enough in the chaos that I think he has a fighting chance to be a decent NFL quarterback. Kind of like Garner Minshew. Did, well, that was where I was going to go with this is like Mike Leach quarterbacks through the years. I feel like there's been something different about Minshew and Gordon in terms of them, their ability to like, or their willingness to go off script and invite some chaos and get the ball out. That wasn't true with folk and these other guys, the guys at Texas tech. I mean, this is a different type of thing here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's been the biggest difference is, is like the Luke Falk, like remember Luke Falk used to be a thing. We're talking about this with Jake Fromm, guys that play for successful programs, but just don't have baseline traits. Like, Luke Falk used to be a guy that people were like, wow, he's really productive. He puts up great numbers. He didn't have baseline NFL arm talent, but it wasn't necessary because of the air raid. You know, and so much of his production just came on run after catch on like that little shallow drag route that's effectively serves as the check down on every play. And Falk would take it against off coverage because you're pushing other guys vertically and you get 15 yards of run after catch on all your throws. And like... Minshew and Gordon both alike much play much more of like this kind of loose kind of like gunslinger style within the pocket and they're 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 fearless and I feel like that's the big difference with Luke Falk is like Luke Falk checked the ball down because he wanted to quote unquote stay safe and stay on schedule with these guys that are looking to make big plays happen within the area so I think it is a big deviation for Mike Leach it's weird. We'll see how that goes with, uh, I don't know how high you are on Graham Barfield, the Mississippi state kid, but I mean, I think he kind of has both and he was, he was pretty raw last year as a true freshman trying to play in the sec West. But if you're looking for that Gordon Minshew dynamic, yeah, I think you get it there. Okay. Look forward to that. Uh, Joe, the rest of this quarterback class is no bueno. No, there's, uh, if I were to stake my flag in the ground for a few guys to be developmental guys in midday three, I'd point to James Morgan from Florida Internationals at the Shrine Bowl, had a really good showing, and Tyler Huntley from Utah, who I think has enough arm talent, uh, but is much more of a one read and then tuck and run style player at this point in time uh, coming out of Utah. But 
I think he's got enough arm and enough athleticism that like with that being the way the game is trending, uh, I'll shout out Cole McDonald too from Hawaii, but he's just with the run and shoot. He's so he's got so far to go. He is a complete project. I haven't done Jake Lutton yet from Oregon State. Have you got your eyes on him? Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Chase Litton from Marshall. Oh man, I sort of like Chase Litton. Like he was. So did I. I had like I had like a, a f- early five, I think, on Chase Litton. I I have L- Lutton. I have a seventh on because like he's so he needs a lot of space to operate because uh, he's like six seven. Chase Litton was uh, he was a UDFA for the Chiefs. I think he was actually on the roster. Yeah, he was. And you then think he was he's on the, on the practice squad. Jaguars, and then he went to the Seattle Dragons, and then he was traded to the Tampa Bay Vipers, and then he was waived on March 6th. He, he had some fun it. flashes on tape. Yeah, I thought there was something there, but that's how these quarterbacks go, man. Uh, Tyree Jackson, he – didn't make it through. A, yeah, it's crazy. He never was on an NFL roster for a second in his life. So, do you have any any developmental guys that you want to stick your flag in the ground for right now? No, I think the guy would be James Morgan, but you've already hit him, so I don't have anything new to bring to the table. Okay, great. We're done. Go ahead, put a bow on it. Quarterback discussion. We will still have battle of the boards in which we tear each other's rankings to shreds. Don't worry, but. With us within a month to the NFL draft or like four weeks away to the day, it's time to turn the dial up. It's time to get real heavy on the draft here on Draft Dudes. We're looking forward to working through all the positions, talking about all the, the notable names. And uh, I promise we'll get more names as we get to some of these deeper positions. But with the quarterback, as when you watch their film, there's a lot of nuance, a lot of depth, a lot of uh, context required. And I thought we did a good job, Joe hitting on that with some of these guys today. We hope you enjoyed Kyle Krabs or Joan Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the draft news podcast. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.